Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Unnatural way. <laughs> I wasn't prepared to speak. You started. I enjoyed it. <laughs> you started before I could prepare myself. <laughs> I introduced myself like a robot trying oh, to seem like a teenager. <laughs> oh dear. Um, the reason for our giddiness is we recorded thankfully only the start of an episode <laughs> and we um, we, we uh, realised we hadn't plugged the microphones in yeah so we hadn't got very far we'd only got what 10 probably is about 10 mm. no maybe 5 minutes in five, yeah yeah um, so we oh so should we do the title of it it's called Here's a Crazy Story oh it's Story. called Here's a Crazy Story yeah yeah from the Overtake a podcast yeah. where we tell crazy true stories I'm Robin, there's also Ethan That's and me. Abigail. Me. Yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah. think yeah, yeah. I mean, I don't, I don't think they want us to go on for it. Okay, so we've got some corrections from last week. Yeah, so I have a, what I would describe as a relatively minor, even pedantic one. Um, <laughs> Fuck you, Ben. <laughs> <laughs> no, yeah, Ben. Uh, ben very kindly messages from um, from Middle Earth and told me that it's not Kievan Rus, it's Kievan Rus, like goose or juice. Mm, so there you go. That's nice. how you say it. Yeah. Um, Have you got any? I. <laughs> corrections or, so I or clarifications? already confessed this, this clarification. Um, but we're going to do it again. Um, so, in episode three, which I was uh, listening back to today because I was doing the edit, um, there's a point in which I made it sound like I wouldn't have sex with a dog. And what I actually was doing was an impression of someone who might want to have sex with a dog. That is not going to hold is, up in court. Yeah, it's just worse than the last time I did it as well. <laughs> really? even more guilty. I mean, what were the actual words you said? I think, well, I was doing, so I was doing an impression of the... the I, Robin Vinter, would <laughs> love to fuck a dog. Uh, we were, I was doing an impression of the YouTuber in, that you mentioned. Yeah. Um, who... Wanted to have sex with a dog, and I think she did have saying, sex with her dog. She did, yeah, mm. that's it. And I think I was saying, if like hypothetically, uh, hypothetically, I might want to, 
but it's it, I wouldn't do something like that or like I wouldn't tell people about it that was what you yeah. said yeah you were yeah. like you, yeah in in the character of that YouTuber you were like yeah. I, I want a fucking dog but I'm not going to tell anyone about it yeah. and, and your I mean, concern she, she is, did tell everyone about it yeah and yeah and yeah. your concern justified I think yes. is that people will think that you actually you Robin Vinter yes journalist yes Co-founder and editor of the other take. Yes, found give them the address. Act, sorry, <laughs> yeah. single owner. <laughs> <laughs> sorry, um, um, yeah, are you thinking of your, yourself as the other founder? No, you've been around for a very long time, though. So yeah, although I'm predated by both Rick and. Um, oh. oh no, I got it before you. No, and Ben, but he's gone. Yeah, now. yeah, it's good to know. Anyway, yeah. your point was so, that hypothetically, if you wanted to have sex with a dog, you would have enough shame and embarrassment not to tell exactly. people. It's one thing to want to fuck animals, it's another thing to have no shame about it and mm. tell everyone. Yeah, exactly, yeah. 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 So I wrote a bit of a statement that just said, um, I made it sound like I was <laughs> like, like a, he's a like, disgraced politician. <laughs> stood outside the gates of his house with his, with his like, long suffering wife stood at his side. Like, we uh, we have decided that we will get through this <laughs> as a family. As a family. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, so me as a family, I made it sound like I want to have sex with a dog, but the wording was bad. I don't want to. I don't even particularly like dogs as people. That's why that was the statement. Um, I in the last bit we did, um, the last take yeah. attempt, I made a joke about dogs as people, meaning two dogs in like a trench coat yeah. and it was great and we lost, great. Was it was, lost to the did, ages I mean yeah we did let's just imagine listener that we did some hilarious jokes yeah, yeah. just insert in fact, hilarity here in fact if we all just go home listener just pretend that for about 45-50 minutes we told you some vaguely interesting <laughs> stories they're going to have to kind of anyway, funny bits. Yeah. Uh, thank you. Um, and then, yeah, we'll all just fucking call it a night and don't tell anyone. Sweet. Yeah. Ideal job. Yeah. Yes. Um, so, yeah. yeah. You, so, yeah. So, <laughs> I think I just want to draw a line under that. I just want to make it clear that I was doing an impression of a person. You might have noticed that I was doing an impression of a person, in which case you're excellent and thank you. Still don't feel like it would hold up in court. I don't know. No. No. Okay. And yes, I'm, I'm almost getting that kind of she does protest too much type vibe as well. Well, that's it. The, it's that thing that we talked about before. Like, <laughs> the, like the more you deny it, the yeah. the worse it sounds. Yeah. Um. So, I, I just, yeah, let's just draw a line under it now. That's that. Yeah, that's yeah. good. Yeah. Just don't alienate any more listeners by saying you don't like dogs. Yeah. Well, just no. Uh, the no. personalities. I mean, like, I'll I'll make it so give much worse. A, a cuddle. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> But I don't want to spend any significant time with them. Um, Were those the only two corrections? Because if so, both quite minor. I think minor, yeah. yeah. I mean, I actually haven't listened to... God, if, if that's what you said in the last episode, fuck knows what I've what I've managed to... Uh, I can't even remember what I was talking about. I listened to it about an hour ago. <laughs> <laughs> what was it again? What, which um, was yours? Because uh, it wasn't oh, about fucking dogs, was it? No, mine was a good... What was mine? Oh no, mine was uh, Falcon the oh. Oh. oh, mine was uh, Rabbit Out of the Twat. Wasn't it? Yes, it was. Yeah. It was Rabbit Out of the Twat. That was a good episode. Um, strong, yeah. strong, nothing like following it with uh, some real mediocre broadcasting then. Good, let's yeah. get underway. Um, so, we established in the previous recording oh, yeah. that we trashed um, that your story is 
Mine boring. Mine. <laughs> <laughs> and about sport. Yeah, no, that's it. Yeah, I have a sports story this week, which... Um, which I'm excited about, but yeah, Abigail is not excited about Robin it. likes sports stories. Abigail particularly does not. I'm actually dreading it because I know my brain's just going to involuntarily switch off a lot. Oh, so you're going to have to really focus Yeah, I'm going to have yeah. to be like the yeah. entire... And you can't see what I'm doing, but I'm staring just at you staring very intently, intently. In a way that really, really does make me feel uncomfortable. <laughs> yes. um, um, so you're going to go first because my story is creepy and... Well, I won't say any more about mine. Okay, good. Can I clean my throat, please? (laughs) It's just quite a big one. I didn't feel like... I did that. Yeah. (laughs) Okay, cool. Um, So, yeah, I I usually... Yeah, I usually put more thought into the title for my story, but I'm just going to go for The Real Cinderella Man this time. Excellent. Which is a reference... Yes, reference to the film, which features Russell Crowe. God, if this if this seems like unnecessarily wooden to you, it? it's because <laughs> yeah. we've said this. We've yeah, said it we've all. Said it it's all a charade. Yeah, the first time was more waffly, but mm. more spontaneous sounding. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and that's what you're all here for, isn't it? Because yeah. God knows it's not for our organisational skills. No, you uh, also think that Renee Zellweger played uh, his uh, wife. Yeah. <laughs> the way that you said that makes me believe you know that she didn't already. <laughs> Uh, but I yeah, I, 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 I think that it? might be it. Yeah. But no, it's a fucking brilliant He's film. He's excellent. Like, I, I do not like that man, but he is very What good. is with the Russell Crowe hit? Mm. He, isn't he aggressive? Or I made that up. Oh, uh, that's maybe true, actually. Like he, he's either punched someone or he's... Australian. Did he... It's one or the other. Yeah, <laughs> both valid reasons to... Uh, yeah. Have you ever met a nice Australian man, though? I have. It wasn't arrogant. Well, no, what I was saying... <laughs> I met... That was a joke. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I see your Russell Crowe and I raise you Hugh Jackman. So. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. okay. Hugh, Hugh Jackman... Do we like Hugh Jackman? Oh, yeah, that? he is yeah. awesome as yeah. fuck. Yeah. Uh, very yeah. pure on Twitter as well. Cool. Yeah. Unlike dogs, he would get it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, fair enough. He is yeah. um, like a kind of animal-human hybrid, though, as a wolverine. Oh, so yeah. Oh, like, full bestiality. I see what you're doing. She's like, he's still got claws. It's fine. <laughs> That's good enough for me. No, I'm joking. I'm not into hairy people. No, uh, nothing wrong with hairy people. Oh, I just Bark for me, Hugh. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, right, fucking hell. This is the real Cinderella man because although Jim the Bulldog Braddock, who is the um, the protagonist in... That was actually a <laughs> Yeah, you did. Um, who is the protagonist in the actual Cinderella Man film. That's a true story. And yes. that guy is like deserving of the title Cinderella Man, to yeah. be fair. Yes. Also, a quick note on that. Max Bear, who is the uh, the guy who Jim Braddock's title fight with, is in that fight. Mm-hmm. The whole film builds up to it, and he's called Max the Killer Bear. Yes, he's he's painted as a horrible, horrible person. That film, when the reality is totally the opposite. Oh. He was an incredibly nice guy. He did kill people in the ring, but it like tore him apart. Um, oh. And he also, if you imagine, this was um, they fought in like he fought in like the twenties, thirties, which is like building up to Nazi Germany, and he was a Jew. Um, and he was a, an extremely vocal critic of, as you would might expect, I suppose, of the um, kind of growing tide of anti-Semitism that was Aww. washing across Europe. And he used to fight with a star of David on his shots, big star of David on his Did shots. He? Yeah, so it's kind of a shame that in the pursuit of creating like a cardboard yeah. cart villain for that film, they had to make it seem like he was a really see. horrible prick. Um, and he's actually, by all accounts, a lovely man. Or was. I think he's dead, probably. I just seem so. Yeah. yeah. So anyway, sorry, that's, that was my story. Yeah, just yeah. the retelling Lovely, of Cinderella. Thank you. Yeah. Um, no, this is about um, uh, Billy Misk, the real Cinderella man. So Billy Misk, 
Born William Arthur Misk, um, April 12th, 1894. He was born in a place called St. Paul, Minnesota, which is like northeastern uh, US. Northeastern, uh, okay, yes. Yeah, so it's yeah. like a bit kind of yeah, near Canada. So kind they're of. not Midwestern, just say it. Take a I guess. want to so much. It feels... we only, well, there's only two that we know. Yeah, the deep south. Deep south and the Midwest. That's yeah. all America so it's is. not either of the those. US. And they That's... think everything is in the deep south. I, I just, it's I'd a like running to, scene. My, because my image of, particularly when we're talking about old stuff, which we usually are, my image of like olden days America is yeah. always deep south. Yeah. Like, yeah. Didn't, wasn't it all just happening? Like, there wasn't cowboys in the, in the north, so... I mean, Therefore, between us, we basically just summed up all of American culture in that, that era. Yeah. Cowboys and Tom Sawyer. Yeah, so that's it. nothing and else to know. Donald Trump and there you go. There's the three main yeah. bits of American culture. Oh. Yeah. Yeah, the less said I just I actually just became like sadder. I just like yeah. I'm never an hour. <laughs> 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 all the fun out there. Don't mention his name. So yeah, here we go to St. Paul, Minnesota. Now, interestingly, Boxing was illegal in Minnesota until 1915. So when Billy Misk began his boxing career in 1913, he did so in a place called Superior, which was in Wisconsin. Mm. Um, now, oh, so he had to travel out of Minnesota to do his yeah, boxing. Yeah, yeah, in the in the beginning of his uh, of his career. Okay. Um, so he started off as a middleweight, uh, and he showed very clear promise early on. He was a technically gifted boxer, um, wasn't the most powerful puncher. But he was known for throwing punches in bunches, as they say. Nice. Um, he had a 10-year career, roughly, um, and he fought at three weight classes, which um, like now would be like, I think would now like be very odd, especially like professionally. Yeah. But then it was like a bit less odd. Okay. Um, he fought from middleweight up to heavyweight, so he fought middle, light, heavy, and heavyweight. Um, I throughout, I suppose you just you just put on some muscle, did he? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Pretty much, oh, or as will become clear, lose it. Uh, well, he tried, tried desperately to to not lose it. But anyway, so that was yeah, ten year career, three weight classes, and for um, for the people who don't like boxing in the room, I've literally know, already switched off. I know what I'm saying. I so I am actually, I am actually sorry. Like I, I am sorry. Um, I'm sorry don't be that sorry, I don't care more. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. It is you. It's, yeah. I just can't bring myself to care about <laughs> spot. It, it's not even that I don't like boxing. It's that I don't care. You know like, what I'm this completely is? Completely apathetic. This is Ethan and Harry Potter. What it? What yeah. It is. No, you no, I actively choose. despise. Harry yeah, Potter. that's true. Actually. Yeah. Also, I. I, I, don't I think do you're tolerate it, Ethan's oh. hatred of Harry Potter. A bit, you, you're the one that really goes in on him. I actually have a second correction. I've just realised. I said I, I. Well, it's more of a. Is it I that told Ethan said Harry Potter was bad, and it's not? Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I think we clarified that. No. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, um, I told a lie. I think I did it in the episode, but I might have just done it when we were talking socially. Um, I said that I'd read the Lord of the Rings, but <laughs> this, is the, this is when we all just air any. Reminded me of that song that played on the radio for like six straight months, that when I was seven year, years old song. What oh. year was that? Oh, yeah. Is that like 2016 or 17? Oh, yeah. 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 Not saying it was the worst thing to happen that year, but it was up there. Yeah. yeah. Okay. <laughs> um, so yeah, I said that I'd read the Lord of the Rings books. What I actually have read is one and a half of the Lord of the Rings books and okay. I just gave up at that point so I'm not so, sure that so was I, in the episode as a as a, as a, a ratio <laughs> I know really 
I've read much more of the Harry Potter books than you have <laughs> Lord of the Rings. Yeah. Especially when you consider the Hobbit trilogy, uh, the sorry, the Hobbit book and the Silmarillion, which I haven't read. I know I've Fuck read, that. I've read the Hobbit actually. Have the, you Hobbit, read the Hobbit, I, I found fine. That's mm. how. That's honest, when I moved on to Lord of the Rings, like, thinking it was going to be fine, and it was not fine. It's a, that is a very acceptable opinion. The Hobbit. It's weird, right? The Hobbit was three films, and it should have been one. Yeah. Each Lord of the Rings film could have been... Like, it shouldn't have been, but yeah, it could have been cram- two they films. Yeah, they, they cut out some good bits of the yeah. Lord of the Rings books I've read. <laughs> Tom Bombadil is what Tom you're referring Bond, yeah, to then, yeah. yeah. Um, but, you yeah. know, yeah, yeah, you, you're right. The Hobbit is a, is, um, it's a child's book, so yeah. take from that what you so, will. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> okay. Uh, but I just wanted to, I felt bad about afterwards because how much shit I give you and then I'm like the Lord of the Rings is shit and I'm like and then I'm like but I've, read, I've seen the film so I know what they're like but. to be fair the main criticism was that there's literally like three women in the whole thing which I think is fine to condemn without yeah. having seen it or read it yeah I think there's more in the book but yeah, I think it's still a bad criticism yeah. Yeah. Uh, also I would just for the sake of you know for the sake of posterity like as I've pointed out before there are not many women but all of them are None of them are portrayed as like they're all bad damsels in distress. Yeah. Like yeah. there is yeah. no. I don't. Oh, even, we all need saving. They yeah. they'll fucking. Save I don't even themselves. remember it well enough to say that they're all good characters, but they're certainly badass characters. I mean, however, it's not a choice between like one woman that one woman that's good and like a hundred that are shit. Yeah, you know. No, you're right. <laughs> yeah, no. So, I yeah. <laughs> so I just wanted to sort of clarify and also apologize a little bit for. How much I go in on you and Harry Potter, and then I just did the same thing as you, basically. Yeah, well, I don't accept. Um, Whoa, I thought you were going to go, that's very absolutely no, no, it was very big of you. And instead, he was very like, Harry yeah. there, there was no real way for me to find out that was a lie. You could maintain that. Yeah, for, uh, yeah exactly, exactly. Integrity. Yeah. <clears throat> sorry. So. Back to Billy Misk. Yeah. Uh, so. Yeah, sorry. What I was saying was, if you if you're not like if you don't really know boxing history, which is perfectly reasonable, um, the kind of early part of the 20th century is regarded as probably one of the golden eras. Like there were some fighters around at that time who, taking away the fact that like we're more advanced now and techniques have changed and stuff, would kind of pound for pound be you know the best boxers of all time. So people like um, uh, Jack Dempsey, um, oh, what's his name, uh, Harry Greb. Um, and, and like a lot more of that era that there was just a lot of good boxers. Boxing was like a much bigger sport and it was much more accessible to people then as well, I think. Um, mm, that's, yeah, I mean, I suppose it was like you just punch a load of stuff and yeah. then eventually get good punch at it. Punch yeah, yeah. Whereas like other sports, I mean, to this day, other sports are less accessible. Mm. So, yeah, yeah, definitely. So he um, he fought at three weight classes at, at this point. Um, and, he, and he fought people like like Jack Dempsey, Harry Grab, uh, Jack Dillon, uh, and Bill Kale Brennan, who we'll come back to later. Mm. Um, so he fought more than 100 bouts, which is a fuckload. Yeah. Um, like not his like, brain must have been an absolute bit. Mm, like, by the standards of today, it's absolutely ridiculous. By the standards of then, it was still quite a lot. Mm. Like, people fought a lot more because yeah. they were kind of like unofficial fights, not totally unofficial, but there were certainly fights that weren't as hyped up and were not you know, nine months of press beforehand. Yeah. Yeah. Um, they would just be like, we had a fight a few weeks ago, let's have a go again, type thing. Um, so it, over, over his kind of 100 or so fights, he won 74, 30-odd um, by knockout, um, and 
the majority of the rest were actually draws and no contests. Like okay. he, he lost very, very few fights. Um, mm. And a no contest was much more common then. Yeah. Um, because in, uh, yeah, at that point, basically, unless there was a knockout, the judges weren't, so in many cases, the judges didn't make a decision because it would be fixed. Um, or, yeah, or, it, or it certainly yeah, led to accusations of it being fixed. Yeah, I was going to say, I can't imagine the crowd liking that. Like, yeah. yeah. Um, but one of the things that weirdly is what happened. So some of these wins were technically um, no contest. But what used to happen is if it was a, a high status fight, is the newspapers went in a write up would pick a winner. So they were, <laughs> so they were known as uh, newspaper wins. Oh. So some of these wins were newspaper wins. Um, a, a high proportion were. No, I think it was like I looking at me. You just did that. I thought you were. I thought you were amazed at Robin being interested in this because I thought you were like. Oh no, I'm, I'm not surprised by that at all. Yeah. Um. So so yeah, that's that's where his stats come from. Um. So he's not a particularly well-known boxer, Billy Misk. Um. He was a, a real like real talent. Um. In an era of talent, but his record. Um, and his kind of his, his fighting ability should really have made him someone who was kind of known at least for generations like someone like a Jack Dempsey but he has been less so which is even more interesting considering what we're about to find out about him oh, um, so in um, so as I said sorry he started boxing in 1913 um, and he Quite quickly, it became apparent that he was like a, a very strong uh, contender. Um, and he... Oh, sorry, I did mean to say actually that he was posthumously inducted into the International Boxing Hall of Fame in 2010, which is... Oh, yeah, so literally like... well long dead by then. Yeah, probably. like 80 years-ish after his career <sighs> ended, um, which is okay. fucking ages. So I mean, better late than never. What's but... this dude's name again? I've already forgotten. Billy Misk, M I S K E. So, yeah. So he he probably should have been inducted a long time earlier, based purely on his boxing boxing ability. Mm. But the fact um, that he carried yeah. a, a, a huge secret for five years of his career makes his story even more fascinating. Oh my god, I'm intrigued. There you go. So in 1918, uh, just obviously like kind of five years or so into a very promising boxing career. Um, Billy went to the doctors complaining of quite severe pains in his kidneys. Um, so tops up at the doctors for what he thinks is fairly going to be probably quite a routine thing. Um, and the doctor's like, Billy, you're, uh, you're fucked, mate. <laughs> and he had Bright's disease. Um, now, Bright's disease is a condition of the kidneys, um, which we now call something like glomerulonephritis. Oh, yeah, I love it, yeah. Yeah, 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 as we're all familiar with that. Yeah. Um, which is, um, I think even now, I think, double check this, but I think even now it's still basically fatal I'm in every sure. case. But, like, then, it was oh. definitely so. Yeah. Give me the name again. Um, glomerulonephritis. <laughs> if you search Bright's disease, I'm sure it will come up. It, it got it from Glom. So <laughs> sweet, <laughs> sweet, famous. Uh, and um, also, but it, if you're using Google, it's listening, obviously, to the conversation. So it knows already. Yeah, yeah that's true. Yeah, that's so true. Yeah. Um, that's why I asked to ask Jeeves. Um, so... Yeah, so he said he was like, Billy, you've you've got this thing, you you fucked, mate. Your uh, your kidneys are, are battered. Um, I I will give you, I'd give you five years to live 
Shit. How old was he at this time? Like young, I guess. Yeah, so 1918. He was born in 1894. So quick maths, like 24 Yeah, shit. Yeah. yeah. So so young. <clears throat> and he's been given... I've literally written it like a minute after that. Yeah. Yeah. He's 24 at this point. Um, so 24, he's a, a particularly promising boxer. Um, so obviously he's like, but I can still like, you know, I can still box and that. And the doctor's like, no, no, that five years is assuming that you stop boxing now oh. and you just go sit on yourself for five years and you chill the fuck out. Wow. Um, so Billy Miss is presented with two options, clearly. Um, pack in mm. and be fairly safe in the knowledge that you'll live an extra, you know, another five years or so, or don't. Um, so not just yeah. probably fuck he didn't he was like fuck that so I mean if you've got if you've only got a few years it's only five minutes if it was like 20 it'd box. be different yeah. however the problem is though that that five is only if he doesn't box yeah obviously it's like two if he does or whatever yeah. or mm-hmm. like someone presumably if they hit oh, him okay. in the right that could just kill him oh, like shit, he could just okay. die yeah oh. um, so by this point in his career um, Billy is a family man um, and he tried to invest some of his boxing earnings that he'd already kind of started picking up at this young age um, to make sure that after he'd finished fighting, he would, um, you know, be able to provide for his uh, his wife and young three kids who he had at this point. Okay. Um, so he set up a business in his hometown, which was a car dealership. Um, and everyone who knew uh, Billy kind of described him as this very trusting, really nice guy. Mm-hmm. And his problem was that his... Friends and acquaintances and people who knew him would often be like, "Can I get, can I get that, like, you know, like car on uh, on credit?" Mm. <laughs> and he'd be like, "Yeah, yeah, sweet mate, yeah, yeah, just pay me whenever." And then they wouldn't. Um, so he he was. That's the problem as well. Like, I'm assuming he was working class because a lot of boxers back then were working class. Yeah, they earned quite a bit of money sometimes, mm. but their friends were all still working class. Like, it wasn't. Although now, arguably, there's not that much so- social mobility. Like, in those days, there really wasn't oh, much. God, so, yeah. like, it, it yeah, was unusual. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and you are talking about literally the kind of five to ten years preceding the Great Depression. Mm, yeah. Exactly. Um, so, I mean, things got worse, but they weren't great before it. Um, so, yeah, so over over a long period, he built up a lot of debts. Um, and already by this point, when he got this diagnosis, he was in considerable debt. Mm. Um, so he made the decision on that day that he wasn't going to tell anyone, wasn't going to tell anyone how serious it was. And when he had to, when he was visibly ill, which he often was, he just he would just kind of play it off lightly and be like, oh, yeah, "I'm just a bit under the weather" type thing. Um, and he only told one person. He told his manager and, and best friend, a guy called Jack Reddy, um, who who he told exactly how serious it was, um, and no one else. That and that includes his family. Like his wife. Whoa, shit. I thought you just went no, outside yeah, yeah. of his family. His oh, wife didn't know. He didn't tell her anything. Okay. The kids and stuff. That's not... It's not all right. Idea. Yeah, no. I can see why back in them days I think, he did something like that. I think like, so, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I know what you mean. Like, it still seems kind of fucked, but I, I'm i sure at the very least there were good intentions behind yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah. He, did, he obviously didn't want to worry his wife and that's that. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So despite the doctor's orders, um, he opted to continue fighting. And over the next few years, um, he would rack up um, another like 30, 40 fights. Um, so this brings us to his kind of first encounter with Jack Dempsey, who, um, as I've kind of said, was was... Maybe not at the time, but in in hindsight, is is regarded as the best boxer of that era mm. and one of the best heavyweights of all time. Yeah, uh, certainly one of the hardest hitters of all time. Jack Dempsey was like if you if you find pictures of Jack Dempsey, like 
I mean, he was hot, like, very much so. And he was also a fucking bruiser. Like, you can just see that. Just, like, you would not want to fuck with that guy. Like, okay. Um, nice. But he was also, like, kind of rugged. and. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, we can put some pimps on the Instagram. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> um, he, there's some real, yeah. Jack Dempsey ended up running a speakeasy in New York after he'd mm. retired. Um, and there's some, f- like, fucking brilliant stories. Because he used to just sit in there all day, just yeah. drink, and then people would come in. And he'd kind of sit and have a drink with them and tell them boxing stories and talk oh. about, like, you know, if there'd been fights on, he'd be like, give his opinion on stuff. And there's some fucking amazing anecdotes of people who've just kind of wandered into his bar and he's then told them, you know, secrets of boxing oh. and stuff. So, so he sounds like a fucking cool guy, Jack Dempsey. Yeah. Um, so Billy Misk and Jack Dempsey met for the first time in 1918, so literally about kind of four or five months after he was diagnosed with Bright's disease. Mm-hmm. Um, and, like, he wasn't falling over dead at this point no. but he'd gone to the doctors with quite severe pain mm. um, and that there was nothing he didn't he didn't get anything for it oh, you know no, I mean? they, yeah they don't they don't really treat that yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they were just like right you've got to live with that so so he's still boxing and he fights fights Jack Dempsey um, now Jack Dempsey later said of Billy Misk that many people who had titles around that time would avoid Billy Mick because he was a, a he was a, a very consistently good fighter. Okay. Um, he got very few title shots throughout his career, and Jack Dempsey thinks it's because people knew how good he was. Mm. Um, and he was just a very like fast, tough guy. At a point when heavyweights weren't really fast, he was incredibly fast. Okay. Um, and people, some people draw comparisons between him and Ali um, okay. in yeah. terms of how quick he was for a for a heavyweight. I guess like. Yeah, tactically, you don't want to fight that guy at yeah. any point. No matter, like, I mean, unless, like, well, it depends. <clears throat> if you're quite, if you're ranked quite high and he's not, you stand to lose quite a lot by yeah. by losing to someone like that. Yeah, so, definitely. Yeah. yeah, and the fact that he was, I think, the thing is, he was notoriously difficult to like even knock down of my knockout. And in those days, mm. you, like when when you really had to knock someone out to win. Yeah. You don't want to risk a title on someone that you think I'm going to knock that guy out, even yeah. if I know I'm a technically better boxer. Yeah, knock him out. Like you're, yeah, you're going to get knocked out easier than he is. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so Miss would actually fight Dem- Dempsey three times. Um, so on the first time they met, um, he, it's not like a, it's not a particularly big fight because Jack Dempsey, even at this point in his career, is not all that famous and well regarded, but he's still one of the kind of big hopefuls. Uh, and the first fight they draw. Um, and neither man kind of gets the better of the other. Okay. Uh, the second fight, Dempsey wins, which is only about nine months afterwards. Okay. The second fight, Dempsey wins, but there's no knockdowns. It goes all the way. Oh. They're both still standing. Uh, and Jack Dempsey knocks everyone out. Like Jack, or, or, yeah. or knocks everyone down, type of thing. Yeah. Um, and he's still standing. They would meet a third time, but we'll get to that in a little bit. <laughs> so following his fights with Jack Dempsey, his career kind of um, picks up, but his health deteriorates massively basically in secret yeah um, it's assumed in boxing circles that there's something wrong with him a bit but no one has any idea of the severity of it like they right. just think he struggles with I don't know like fucking flu and shit periodically yeah um, and the in the you know in the years following his diagnosis he gets progressively worse visibly but no but he never tells anyone no one knows the, the full extent of it um, and so 1920 was when he fought Jack Dempsey again and in between he'd, he'd had Quite a few fights um, and won the vast majority. Um, okay. And he fights Jack Dempsey again in 1920, which was his title shot. Um, sorry, that was the third time. Did I just say it was second? 
think I maybe did mistakenly. Yeah. So he fights him again the third time, um, and it was Dempsey's first title defense. It was actually the first um, fight that was ever broadcast live on the radio as well. Um, oh wow! Yeah, which unfortunately I can't find any recordings of. You would think that something like that yeah, would be like, like it would be a record of yeah. it, but I can't find it. If anyone can um, and wants to send us a link, fucking fire that would be great. Yeah, 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 that would be brilliant. Um, so by this point, Dempsey and, and Miskit had, had developed a bit of uh, friendship. Dempsey yeah, talks you'd in, expect that. I he guess, talks yeah. in his book a lot about how he really, really liked Billy Misk. Um, yeah. Just like a really nice guy, and also just had respect for him as a fighter as well. Like yeah. he was just fucking brilliant. Yeah. Um, and he knew that Misk was was ill, uh, so he didn't want to fight him. I... But Billy Misk was like, "I, I really need some money. I've got a lot of debtors. Please just give me that fight. This fight's a title fight." Um, because I think with a title fight, you're always going to get more money, even if you lose, yeah. than if it was just a normal fight. Yeah, it makes so, sense. So. Um, begrudgingly, eventually, Dempsey accepts the fight. And it takes place on Labor Day in 1920, and it was broadcast live, as I say. Um, so, Billy Miss turns up to this fight, and everyone can see he's ill. Like, he's fucking... Oh, no. Relatively speaking, like, he's kind of skin and bones. Like, I mean, he's still... Oh, still like yeah, a big still like dude. Bill, but yeah. Yeah, uh, but relatively... Like, he's, it's clear that he's not fully himself. So, everyone kind of thinks this is going to be um, a walkover. And the fight starts, and, and there's some brilliant bits in Jack Dempsey's book where he talks about this, but the fight starts... Um, and despite how he looks, Billy Misk is throwing absolute power. Like oh he's God. still like a real, real dangerous boxer. Um, yeah. But but Jack Dempsey is one of the best of all time. Mm. So first and I round, suppose if you if you if you if you're quite light on your feet anyway, and then you've actually lost a few pounds, yeah, yeah. potentially you could be <clears throat> a bit quicker than yeah. yeah. But you've still got that kind of like yeah that that innate as fuck. power. Like, <laughs> all right, yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Um, so early on, Miss takes a big shot to the to uh, like his sternum area, yeah. and this huge purple welt <gasps> appears on his chest, um, and everyone's like, well, "Fuck, that's yeah. like because that's not normal." normal. Yeah. <laughs> um, so everybody kind of expects the fight to stop at that point, and it doesn't, and he just gets up, um, keeps fighting, keeps throwing very dangerous punches. Second round, um, Jack Dempsey floors him with this huge punch. Uh, by all accounts, it's just like ridiculous. No one should ever have got from it. Um, Billy Miss goes down for one of the first times in his career. Actually, goes to the mat. So never mind, not tell he goes to the mat. Yeah. But he gets up on the nine count. Oh. So he's so he's just Oof. up. And Jack Dempsey talks about <laughs> his book how he's like he is relieved in a sense that he gets up. Yeah, he didn't want to have killed the guy because yeah. he thinks he might have killed him. But then he's like. Fuck! If he's gonna get up from that, what am I gonna have to do to him yeah, to make him yeah, stay down? And how yeah. much damage am I gonna do to him in, in that Shit, process? He's sick, yeah. um, so fortunately, third round, um, Billy keeps like throwing really big punches, but Dempsey um, catches him in the body, and then as he straightens up, he lands like a huge left and knocks him out. Um, and Jack Dempsey, um, it was written about in 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 very kind of uh, positive way at the time because Jack Dempsey didn't celebrate he didn't show up for the crowd or anything and there's still pictures that I'll put this on the thing actually mm. there's a picture of Jack Dempsey picking him up and oh, has picked him up and he's carrying him to his corner because he's clearly so concerned that he's like killed oh, him that's so nice. yeah yeah it's nice isn't it like you, I mean I suppose yeah you forget it but boxing was always kind of considered like a, a gentleman's, gentleman's spot, spot. Yeah. yeah yeah so he was um, he was looking after him so that was that he'd lost the title thing but he packed a bit of money away so he managed to have a bit of a break and he stopped fighting for a few months probably about six to nine months but his debts were still there and he had to get back in the ring eventually 
Um, so he returns to the ring about six months later, nine months later. Um, and despite his illness, bear in mind he's been getting worse this whole time, he wins his next 17 consecutive fights. <laughs> Um, oh my god, I love him. 12 of which are by knockout. What? Um, oh, bless him. Yeah, so this is over a, a fairly like fairly short period for that amount of fights. Um, uh, in October 1922, he fights a guy called Tommy Gibbons, who is um, remembered as being just, not necessarily like a great boxer, but just an incredibly hard man. Okay, Just yeah. like un, unbeatable in terms of like actually kind of knocking him out type thing. He, he wasn't yeah. all, technically all that amazing, I don't think. Um, so they had a, and it was booked at Madison Square Garden so it was a pretty pretty big fight and again he turns up does Billy Misk and he looks worse like he looked okay. absolutely kind of last legs like fucked um, and by this point no one actually knows but he's like barely able to train he's not doing much at all other than literally just turning up to fights fighting going home and that's it Whoa. really um, so he gets, he gets in the ring with Tommy Gibbons at Madison Square Garden goes for 10 rounds and knocks him out um, so Billy Misk again goes home victorious yeah, he's, he's good in he fucking him. really good and, and like bear in mind right at any moment in any of these fights had someone punched him hard just enough in the, the right place the, presumably it could <laughs> yeah. just, like very very feasibly have killed him yeah or, I suppose, where does a boxing belt go it goes to kind of your midriff quite it, high right? especially yeah. in those areas I suppose been probably, his kidneys were probably just about the same yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Um, but I mean the pain he was in oh, yeah. just generally yeah, was like yeah. also a factor yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, crucially <laughs> <laughs> so he goes 10 rounds against Tommy Gibbons and, and wins but afterwards everyone's like Billy Give it a rest, mate. Mm. You know, you've proved your point. Yeah. Fucking hell. Pack it in. Yeah. So he's like, yeah, yeah, I will do for a bit. Um, but unfortunately, like, he doesn't really have that option to just not fight anymore. Mm. Um, because he's fucking, like, not only is he skinned, but he's in debt. And he knows in his mind that he is about, at any point now, because bear in mind... It's like a time limit. Yeah. Like, he's got to get out of debt before he's yeah. dead. Because he knows he's got this young family that he loves so much. He's got yeah. his wife um, and his, his three kids. Um, and he's thinking about what he leaves behind for them, clearly. Mm. Bear in mind, like, this is all going in, on just in his head. Yeah. Like, no one knows any of this. His yeah. family don't know any of I do think the wife, like, what, what were you thinking when he was, when he was like, <laughs> yeah, like, <laughs> clearly in Dying. Death, like, yeah, literally, <laughs> quite literally dying yeah. in front like, of him. He's like, oh, I've got a cold again. And she's like, oh, all right. Yeah. Like, yeah. I mean, I think he did. He used to say to her, like, oh, I've, I've got a problem with my kidneys, but... But it's you know, never ex- yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I suppose she would have had been busy, you know, back yeah. in them days. Uh, yeah. yeah, definitely. I thought. Yeah. So, um, so yeah. Sorry, that fight with Tommy Gibbons was October nineteen twenty-two. So if okay. we fast forward to um, just a few months to January 20, 1923, um, he's very much on borrowed time at this point. So yes. his diagnosis was eighteen. Yeah. He got five years if he stopped boxing. It's now nineteen twenty-three. So um, he fights a guy called Harry Foley. Um, and knocks out the much younger guy first round. Whoa! Um, and after the fight, he's taken seriously ill. Like he's like not not just like he looks ill and he goes home. Like he has to kind of go to hospital. So like he's fucked. Yeah, okay. yeah. Um, and he's and he's basically forced into retirement. Not by his decision, but everyone's just like we just can't let him fight anymore. Yeah. Can't. Even though he's just won. <laughs> we can't watch this. Yeah, very right. He's just knocked the guy out yeah. first round, and they're still like, yeah. I just we can't. Can't do it. Um, so moments go by and he gets worse and worse and worse and he's just kind of like wasting away by this stage. Um, and it gets to November 1923 
and he knows in himself that he's not going to last much okay. longer at all. Okay. Um, so he's like, this is my last, well, I myself, yeah, last Thanksgiving, yeah. last Christmas is going to last, yeah. last everything. Um, and he's still broke as fuck. Mm-hmm. So he's like, I need to do, I need to do something. I've got to do something. I've got to give, leave something yeah. for my, um, for my family. So he calls up his best friend and manager, Jack Reddy. Okay. And he's like, Jack, get me a fight. And it reminds, and this is like, there is so many parallels between Cinder and Because yeah. you remember that bit where he, he's talking to his manager and he's like, just give me one more fight. And it's yeah. Paul Giamatti yeah. and Paul Giamatti's like, I can't do it, Jim. <laughs> um, and it's like really good. And I, that's exactly how I picture this going. Um, and so they argue, as it goes, they, they argue for a long time. And it, it's yeah. a period of a few days that he's like, I really need a fight. And Jack really eventually says to him, look, I, feel it. I, I think 100% that if I put you in the ring, you'll die. Um, to which he very calmly responds, I'm going to die anyway. So what? What do I lose? Yeah. So at this point, Jack's just like, fuck it, right, fine. Um, so he goes off, but everyone's aware in, in boxing circles of, of who Billy Misk is. And yeah. not only is he, is, he, is he a good fighter, but at this point, it seems immoral to fight him because he looks so uh, okay. fucked. People are like, there's something with him. Yeah. I don't want to be that guy. Yeah. Yeah. So the only fight he manages to get is with the guy we mentioned initially, Bill Kale Brennan. Okay. So as yeah. his name suggests... Uh, Bill had a propensity for knocking fighters out. Yeah, he was a big dude and no slouch. Like so, he was a, he was a real, real good fighter. Um, who I think went on to be like a very well regarded fighter. I was like, going to say, I feel like I'm his. familiar with his name actually. Yeah, quite possibly. Yeah. yeah, he's one of those like a Jack Dempsey that I think has been remembered afterward. Yeah. Um, so and that and that's the fight he gets. Um, and so. As people start to hear that Billy Miss has got a fight and it's with Bill Brennan and Jack Reddy's organised it, people hate Jack Reddy because they're like, he's trying to just like make money out of this guy. Uh, he's clearly not, uh, you know, he's clearly not able to fight, but Jack's manipulating him. Because you do get that as well in like all sorts of fighting things that people are like, they're like, oh, I don't think I can fight that guy. And then the manager's like, yes, well, you're gonna, like, you can and you will. <laughs> yeah, you're yeah. Gonna, like, you're just gonna fucking do it. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Especially with you. And it's probably a, a totally uh, unfair stereotype, but there's that idea, I suppose, that managers are very kind of smart people, whereas yeah. boxers are just big and they get, wonks. That's that, it. And yeah. like managers getting like a percentage, 10, 10 15, 20%, whatever it is, yeah. of like whatever the boxer take, takes in, you gonna. Yeah, yeah, you get, yeah. You get a nice chunk. Mm. Um, so Jack really gets a lot of shit from the fallout from boxing okay. circles and stuff, but he maintains his silence. Um, doesn't say anything, never kind of rises to it. Um, and the build-up to the fight, Billy's completely too ill to train, can barely leave his house. Sure. Um, Jack's like, you've got to try and get to the gym. He's like, I've literally got one fight in me, and I know I have, and I can't, I can't go train, I can't, I can't spend any energy, I've got to, I can't, I've just got to sit here. So he, in the build-up to the fight, Jack lies to the press, and he's like, oh, he's doing a secret training camp at home. <laughs> um, he's, you know, it's, we don't want anyone to see what he's doing, his yeah. tactics and all that kind of shit. Because that's the other thing as well. Even if you know you're going to lose a fight, you've got to do all, all that bravado thing. If you're not going to, yeah, you have yeah. to be like, yeah, yeah, he's been training his entire life for this fight or whatever. Like, yes, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, he, um, so, yeah, he lies to the press, but in, in reality, he's sat at home eating chicken soup and, and boiled fish. Um, and literally just trying not to die. Oh. Um, so, yeah. So, um, Sorry, did you say boiled fish? Yes, I did. Yeah, it kept yeah. saying that. It kept saying boiled fish throughout this whole <laughs> It, this it whole makes sense. I just wanted thing. to double check so that I could respond with the appropriate repulsion. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, absolutely, yeah. What's worse than fish? Boiled fish. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. So, uh, yeah, at this point, it's worth remembering. 
he had five years to live if he stopped boxing. Okay. He boxed loads of fucking times. Um, there's a stat like in the period where um, Billy Misk took on something like 17 fights as an, a very ill man, Jack Dempsey fought eight in that same period of time. Whoa. And okay. Jack Dempsey's like, you know, yeah, the, the hero. Guys. Um, yeah. So that so even by the standards of the time, he took a lot of fights trying to uh, write off this debt um, and trying to earn some money for his family. So we get to 1923, uh, um, November 7th, which is um, when the fight is scheduled for him. Billy arrives in Omaha, where the fight will take place, um, a couple of days beforehand. Um, somehow he manages to convince the match doctor that he's fit to fight, which fuck knows how. Um, what was the match doctor's job back then? One might assume he was on the tick. Yes, yes. You Maybe. Might be right. Maybe, might yeah. Right. Yeah, it might ruin the... Oh, the tale a little bit, but yeah, you yeah, might think so. Sense, yeah. Um, so, so yeah, a couple of days after that, the fight is fight day, and he, he he goes to the thing and he uh, he laces up his boots, tapes up his fists, and puts on his gloves for the last time. So Jack Reddy has managed to cut a deal with Brennan's management, which means that whatever happens, everything else out, as long as he makes the fourth round, he'll go home with like two two thousand five hundred dollars. Wow, which okay. like those days like. Bear That's coin, big isn't it? money, yeah. Yeah. Um, and so the fight starts and Misk battles through four rounds and he eats some mean punches, fires back plenty of his own. Um, and as the as the fourth round is coming to an end, um, with his life literally almost completely drained out of him, Billy Misk throws his last ever left hook. Uh, it's big, clean, and it connects solidly with Brennan's chin, knocking him out cold. <gasps> Misk leaves Omaha victorious oh with money in his pockets and heads back to his family. Um, so that Christmas, Billy b- b- buys his wife, who loves to sing, a beautiful baby grand piano. Uh, he buys a huge grand tree and piles... This is why he's in debt, by the way. Can just... <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, piles loads of Christmas presents around it for all his three kids. Um, with his winnings, he gave his family the best Christmas they'd ever had. Oh. On Boxing Day, <laughs> on Boxing Day he awakes in terrible pain. Uh, calls his manager and friend Jack Reddy, and he says, "Jack, take me to hospital. I can't take this pain any longer." So a boxer can't take the pain. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. as an indication. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So uh, with his friend at his side, um, Jack drives to hospital uh, in the back seat of his car. Jack finally tells his, uh, sorry, Billy finally tells his wife that. The doctor diagnosed him five years ago oh with this critical God. condition, and he's he, this is probably it. Five years, yeah. Um, and that's that's on the way to the hospital, and Jesus on um, a few days later, on New Year's Day, nineteen twenty-four, Billy Misk passes away. Aww. Yeah, and Aww. so that's the story of Billy Misk, who Jack Dempsey described as the bravest boxer he ever fought. I think that's a, that's fair. I think that's good. <laughs> yeah, pretty, pretty sound. Oh, that was such a good story. I know, like, yes. It, uh, it had everything. Yeah, I enjoyed that. I love yeah. I, I, I'm conscious that I maybe got a bit too bogged down in the um, like the, the, the boxing early oh, on. No, uh, I know. But I... You set the scene quite well, I think. I, um, despite myself, I think I've said this before maybe, but... It's I, like I, I fucking love boxing. Mm-hmm. I like I really really like all combat sports. Yeah. And anyone who knows me or or perhaps what I look like <laughs> might well be surprised to hear that. And it is a real kind of I don't know, almost like an. Uh, it's like a bit of a weird. Yeah, it's definitely like a weird thing that it doesn't 
fit with any of my other interests at all. Yeah. It's not kind yeah, of a yeah. coherent set of, but I just fucking, I just find it you so like captivating. I, I am the same. Like I do not want to line boxing because yeah, it's, that, yeah. it's, it's against my principles really. Uh, yeah, I think that's what I was yeah. getting at. Yeah. It's I, like, one guy, well, them, them punching each other until one of them can't get up anymore is just like deeply like unethical. Yeah. <laughs> and yet it is the most gripping thing. You know, like one yeah. of a guy going up against a guy that he knows is going to lose to and he's still got to do it, he's still got to get punched really bad until he gets knocked out. Like, uh, I don't know, like yeah, it's, yeah. it's awful, but it's just so gripping. Yeah, definitely. Um, and there's like, there's something so, like I said, like, I think it's probably. I think it's a. It's a primal thing. I feel like yeah. there's something in us that when we see combat, there is that like visceral mm. reaction somewhere. And it's like this is. We you have to watch it. Like you have yeah. to see yeah, because yeah. because presumably like it was in those days. You, know, you have to see what happened. Or you yeah. Went, Damn. Exactly. Well, exactly. Um, but yeah, it's it's one of those. And I think boxing like it is littered with these amazing stories throughout it. You know, yeah. like, I I was I was like fascinating and obsessed with um like the Cassius Clay Muhammad Ali like that yeah that, there's that just whole like so story many of extremes in boxing yeah. you know like there are people who are just like rags to riches there mm. are like the best people the worst people like it, it's everything yeah Definitely. I would say um I feel less guilty about watching Olympic boxing because yeah people I think it's like a bit more like you don't have to knock anyone out. It's a lot safer. They're wearing like yeah. a little head thing. So no, it's still not great. But they're not like, as good though. No. Oh no. No. <laughs> no. But if you watch um, last thing on boxing, do you know yeah. the Richard Dunn sports in here? Oh yeah. Do you know who Richard Dunn is? No. He was the he was one of only two Englishmen to fight um, Muhammad Ali. Oh. Yeah, yeah. Um, he's a he's an absolute brute from Bradford. Um, couldn't box for shit. I don't know. <laughs> I thought he would be a swimmer. I think this is a big pool. Because it's a swimming pool. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But no, Richard Dunn is oh. the he was the second only Henry Cooper was the other one. Okay. Um oh, I'm so sorry I forget. But I have a lot of Henry Cooper. She's just been absolutely sad. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so sorry. Just... Absolute last thing. Yeah. Um Henry Cooper, when Henry Cooper fought Muhammad Ali. Yeah. Um he Henry Cooper was known for his left hook, it was called Henry's Hammer. Um, um and he, he hit Muhammad Ali square with his left um, and Ali looked dazed like really visibly oh, dazed um, and everyone was like he's going he's gonna to knock him out Henry Cooper's going to knock him out um, so Ali's ring man cut a, cut a small um, incision in Ali's glove um, when no one was looking and then he went to the ring man and he was like his gloves his glove so they had to take a few minutes out to retape his things and put his gloves <gasps> back on and in that time he recovered so people oh think that God. had he not had his ring man not done that Henry Cooper would have beat Ali which Whoa. would be Amazing, Richard Dunn, the other guy fighting him, who the sports center is named after, terrible boxer. Mm. There's footage of Ali fighting him on YouTube, and it sets the Benny Hill thing because oh, it's no. just uh, chasing around and he's just shite. Yeah, but the water slides are good. Great slides, yeah. great. I can remember as a child, Mom, can we go to Richard Dunn? <laughs> Strong legend yeah. center, yeah, mediocre voice. fighter. That's that was my childhood voice. So yeah, that's yeah. Uh, that's mine. Ah, oh, that's go. so good. Well done. Bravo. I don't know how long it was. Fucking ages, it was I think. Long, but it but deserved. Oh shit! That well, is we long, did a bit of talking at the start. A little so. bit, not very <laughs> much. How far in away? Like fifty minutes. Oh great. <laughs>
Okay. We can I... probably cut some of that. I think yeah. some of it I will be. I don't think it's great. There are a few parts where you were like, he fought these 17 matches and then these 17 and then he fought this guy and this guy and I was like, oh my God, he fought a lot of guys. Can you just die already? <laughs> <laughs> so some of those can probably go. <laughs> yeah, I know. I, I actually <laughs> totally agree. I did get bogged down in the, it uh, was a good story, in the stats and yeah. stuff. Thank you. That means a lot. Okay, so... My story is uh, the story, unlike yours, it's a it's a modern day tale. Oh, okay. Mm. Not many of them, actually. No, we haven't. It's this, I, I think I prefer a modern day tale. Well, I prefer listening to an olden day tale, but I prefer, to, I prefer telling a modern day tale. Okay. I don't know, it really depends. Like, people who are absolutely brutal in the past, like older. Oh, yes. Oh, and, uh, yeah. She's going nice to go down yeah. in history on this podcast as, like, one of the best. It's going to be like, yeah. I think she's already gone down <laughs> in history. Yes. Now we've shone a light on that. We've like, <laughs> forgotten history. Real investigative no, journalism. No one involved. I just mean, um, in this, on this podcast. Yeah, but the modern ones, like Falcon. That was yeah, you, lo- you love Falcon. He's a fighter boss. Yeah, <laughs> I literally love it. I think it's yeah. just the fact that he's called Falcon and that yeah. he flew. But he, did, he didn't. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Yeah. Um, cool. Shall I do my story? Please do. Okay. So this is a story of the Watcher. <laughs> it's real. It was just like a missed opportunity that no one went into the Fresh Prince theme tune. No, this is <laughs> so, yeah. yeah. Do you remember? I oh, well, this might not resonate with you, but it might still resonate with you. Um, when those you... are pretty much the only two options. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know resonate with you, Abigail, but it might not resonate with Ethan. Okay. Um, when I remember when we went to uni and we used to go to like student nights, and you may have gone to some student nights. Right, so yes, yeah. I thought I thought you might have done. Um, and there was always Wager more than you two, <laughs> probably. Yeah. And then always late on in the student night, they would play the Fresh Prince, and everyone would be doing the lyrics of the Fresh Prince. And like, I've got a bad memory, but those are seared into my brain. 
And I always felt yeah. so I'm sorry, sensitive. nodding, but you can't hear it. Yeah, no, and I always say that. Yeah. I always <laughs> point that out like a dick. Um, <laughs> and there's there's always those kids that like I think they're just like brought up well, you know, like they they weren't allowed to watch too much TV, so they didn't really watch the Fresh Prince, and then they'd just be like mouthing along, but you knew they weren't like you could see by their face like they didn't know the words, and they were just doing like a kind of mouthing. Um, yeah, Posh Ed was was in piano class as well. Uh, well, exactly, Fresh Prince, yeah, yeah, exactly. And I always was like, oh, that is like a thing that their parents didn't realize they needed to prepare them for. Um, whereas everyone else is just like, I guess maybe like they know how to learn things, so maybe they just went home and like they were like, this comes up all the time. I'm yes, learning. yeah, I bet yeah. they did. And then, actually. Yeah, memorize them, but yeah, because also when I was wrecked, even I sometimes would be doing the fake mouthing because I, I was so drunk I couldn't, my brain couldn't follow the whole thing. See, that's the kind of like, uh, that's the kind of cultural and like social knowledge mm. that should. You know, like how really posh people know things, or like yeah. you know, they get like on University Challenge, and then there's like a pop music round, and they're like, "Oh, uh, the Beatles, or like Madonna," <laughs> when it's like Lady Gaga or something like. Yeah, that. I've just never heard yeah, of yeah. Gaga. Yeah. That's that's the kind of thing that yeah. you know. When you said you know how posh people know things, and it just trailed off, I was like, no. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It actually was going a totally different way yeah. to, to where it did, but that's it wasn't all that yeah. important. Anyway. But I would say often. They have a lot of good, like, classical knowledge, but mm. not as much of the modern-day street smarts Mine was, <laughs> we get from watching a lot of TV. Yeah. Mine <laughs> was more like how, what I was saying, like, how rich and posh people get places because of little things they know or people they know, like, little mm. bits of kind of cultural things. Like, it, what it should actually be is, like, stuff like that. Like, yeah. If right. you can, like, no one has ever got a job based on the fact that they know every word to Fresh Prince, fresh yeah. but they should have done. Yes. Like, that should have exactly. been a thing. Exactly, That should be how we, how we take yeah. it. Yeah, can that be our hiring process? We just get them in, like, one after another, and they have to recite the whole thing, and they can't do it. Yeah. Like, they're like, I didn't have a TV growing up, and I'm like, get out. <laughs> um, no, I did used to know someone who grew up without a TV. Did you have one of those at your school? People who grew up without TVs are always weird. Yeah. Yes. And it wasn't, out of poverty, it was out of oh, that's, that's yeah, 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 if it was out of poverty, not weird, you're yeah, fine. That's fine, it's not your fault. But like yeah. yeah. There I always think of them as like um I'm, I realise now that the term I like grandma kids um <laughs> grandma it's, kids, it's, yeah. it's bad because like it usually means they've had like at absolute best their parents are just kind of pricks. Yeah. So they live with yeah. their grandparents. Yeah. And at worst Parents have probably died, and that's why. Yeah, but yeah. they were just so notably different, mm. like to or because yeah. that, that influence of like just being around old people more. Like yeah. they were just so much more like calm well, it's just, and, and it's less like, bothered by yeah. like just the day to day nonsense yeah. and stuff. But they'd be yeah, like, but it was still like, all right, just, like, mature. yeah, you can just hold a perfectly fine <laughs> conversation. Be, like, we were spoken to them as an adult from them being a very young age. Yeah, but they'd like scoff at the idea of designer trainers or something. Yeah, they'd be like, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I like those kids. Yeah, I was a bit, I think I was a half grandma kid because we grew up so, not so poor, but just like my, like we couldn't, ha- you know, like there are poor kids where their parents like put a lot of value on like having Adidas trainers and stuff, and, but even if they've got no food in the cupboard. Yeah. Like my parents were the, the other type of poor where they were Sensible. like, yeah, like you, there's all the food you can eat in this house, but if you want those trainers, that's going to be your birthday and Christmas present. <laughs> and I'd always be like, nah, it's all right. So I learned to be kooky because that's your, that's really your only option. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. As a child. Yeah. Um, so I wasn't quite a grandma child, but. 
No, yeah, yeah like, Gardel is is a is a character thing as well, yeah, isn't yeah. it? Like yeah. it's a it, yeah. They wear like a sensible coat. Because I was mostly yeah. raised by my grandma, but just in a different way. Like, <laughs> see, you're a secret grandma. Yeah, but yeah. just not. Yeah, just yeah. not in that. Like most of my time was spent with my grandma because my mum was yeah. at work and shit. But yeah. yeah. Which mm. is not in the same. Yeah. There's that very slight difference, I think, yeah. Yeah, mm. definitely. I lived with my grandparents for two years, and during that time, I watched every single British soap every day, so I can't imagine what a whole lifetime <laughs> up to the age of yeah, 18 would do to you. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, and then some people had all sorts of parents going on and still grew up weird. Yeah. So I just feel really, you know, like, like I feel like I remember what school was like, and I feel like I couldn't put a child through what some of those kids went through like Um, and I I don't understand how you can have a child and raise them and make them into like unfortunately the worst nerd ever just to get bullied like I could I I don't know how you can do like do you not know do you not remember what it was like Like, those kids I don't mean to be flippant right but if you are so like my um, this is a mad tangent and we're already like fucking <laughs> yeah. I, I, I told the longest dumbest I'm story and we're already on a tangent <laughs> but right my there's someone in my kind of um, one step removed family yeah. who I won't name because they might end up listening to it it will become obvious <laughs> to them if no one else. Give, um, give them a funny name that we can use instead. Juniper. Okay. So, <laughs> nice choice. Um, Actually, I love that name. That, yeah, it's a really nice name, actually. Like, girl-child name of everyone's child. Juniper was, her parents were like... Thanks for ringing that, by the way. <laughs> no, your, your future child can thank me themselves, actually. <laughs> um, so, she was like, no TV... Oh, no. Not, but so much worse than that, like, yeah, they were religious. Oh, and like, yeah. and like not, not like, not just like, you know, keep yourself to yourselves, like, preach what you think in your own home type of religious. I feel like it's heading in a curry direction. They were like, go out and tell other people about what oh, kind of, you know, preach the good word of, of the Lord Jesus Christ. So they would take them out knocking on doors in this small little village where they all grew up. So they would go on every other kid in their class's house. And be stood with their parents in awful oh, shit clothes. No. And they weren't poor. They weren't poor. No. They were relatively rich. But mm. they still had shit clothes. They still were the least cool kids. And to me, to do that over a prolonged period of time, so knowing cruel. that it's resulting in your children being bullied is child abuse. Yeah. Yeah. Like, it literally yeah, it is. is. Like, yeah. And, and, it, and it, it genuinely fucks me off when she talks yeah. about her childhood. Because I just think, your parents could have ended that at any point mm. by yeah. just, like, not just forcing you, you to do their yeah. fucking dumb self-indulgent yeah. pastime like yeah, it really exactly. wasn't yeah. in case you can't tell yeah, no, I think that's fair yeah um, yeah I think yeah it, like when I when I when I remember like what happened to those kids and it's happening now like people are taking sending their kids to school like letting them get bullied yeah um oh. I don't know. I honestly like, just don't even know how people have kids and like let them exist in yeah, the world. In the yeah, world. Tyler, That's I was like, talking about like, it. Like, I just can't could, you put a child, it. could you have a baby and put put it through this? No, absolutely <laughs> not. I, I think this is such like a not not purely just a media person no. take, but I think it is a bit because I said this to Tyler and was absolutely mortified. She was like, what? You would not have kids. And like, look at the world. It's yeah, fucking awful. It's fucking like, even just like, I I know that I've had like a good life 
Like, yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> everything's 10 out of 10. Like, you know, like, <laughs> I had parents that, like, looked after me and were nice to me. Yeah. And, like, I've, I've grown up and do- achieved what I wanted to achieve. Like, things have worked out for me. <laughs> and even I think, oh, God, I wouldn't want to put a child through some of those things. Yeah, yeah. And, even, and I have had a good life. Mm. Yeah. So, like... Straight, white, middle-class male. Ditto. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, I, I still yeah. fucking... Poor little bastards. <laughs> yeah. Oh, anyway, right, that was a big old 10 minute tender, wasn't it? <laughs> that was wishful thinking at 10 minutes. Oh, God. Okay. The Watcher. Um, Derek and Maria Broadus bought their dream home in June 2014 in a town called Westfield, New Jersey, which is where Maria was raised. So she grew up there. Uh, it was like a very like picturesque town. What are you looking at? We know where she was raised. I'm saying that because I always like glances at me. And we just we only share like moments where like and every time you're like you're insecure in place, you're always like, what what is it? What is it about me? What are you passing notes? Is it like pretty much day one? You've been Arthur. You've been at the overtake about two or three weeks. Abigail arrived. And like literally, you both came in on the same day. You ripped, like you ripped the piss out of me once, Ethan. And Abigail joined in, and I could see her face being like, "Yes, I found my own." And like both of you are just like ripping the piss out of me. And I reckon that's why you, you both so here. Just we both kind of dickheads in the same way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. No, but on his own, Ethan's fine. <laughs> yeah, no, yeah, nice story, yeah. 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 Okay, so. Uh, I would say the same for Abigail. I'm sure she's on. She's, she's not. I'm not. I'm not. No, I'm not. <laughs> so you corrupt me. That's good. She laughs sometimes. So, right, we live in a similar area. Sometimes we walk home together, and she laughs at me every time I nearly trip over the bridge. <laughs> <laughs> That's because it's funny. And <laughs> <laughs> you do it a lot. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm concentrating on what I'm telling you. This is important. I'm a nice person just to put that out there it's just that I like making fun of people in a harmless way okay so Maria Broadus wanted to raise her kids in the same town as she grew up I hope I'm not repeating myself too much for you (laughs) Um, so they found this house it was like a beautiful uh, detached six bedroom place like if you imagine the American dream in a house yeah it was that so the address was 657 Boulevard. So already you know Boulevard is going to be a nice yeah. address. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So it was like a, a pretty nice house. Can you house. imagine if it was a crack then? <laughs> like yeah. if it was called Boulevard and it was and just it was a, a shed. Welcome yeah. to the track. Yeah. <laughs> oh. Um, I'm going to get a shed and call it the Boulevard. <laughs> oh my God, you should. Yeah, yeah thanks. Um, so, Yeah. Uh, I'll put a house, I'll put a house on Instagram. <laughs> um, In it. <laughs> no. This is a house. I'll put exactly that house. <laughs> I'll, I'll put uh, 657 Boulevard on Instagram. So, uh, a couple of days after they closed on the house, um, they were there doing some decorating, and Derek went out to get the mail, and there was a letter addressed to the new owner, like, as quotes. Um... Um, and the letter was typed, like the new one was written out and the letter was typed. So it started nicely, welcoming welcoming them to the neighbourhood. But then it starts to get a bit creepy. Uh, how did you end up here? The letter asks. Did 657 Boulevard call you with its force within? Uh. And you're like, Ugh. So he's reading this. I'm going to read some, I'm going to read like a big chunk of the letter because it's creepy and okay. you need to okay. hear this. Okay. 
657 Boulevard has been the subject of my family for decades now, and as it approaches its 110th birthday, I have been put in charge of watching and waiting for its second coming. My Ooh. grand, yeah, yeah. <laughs> my grandfather watched the house in the 1920s, and my father watched the watched in the 60s. It is now my time. Do you know the history of the house? Do you know what lies within the walls of 657 Boulevard? Why are you here? I will find out. Get the fuck out of there. Get a yeah. fucking hobby. Who appointed you? You might be Tom. Well, um, I see already that you have flooded 657 Boulevard with contractors so that you can destroy the house as it was supposed to be. Was this letter written by a ghost or a demon? Well, just let me tell the story. Um, <laughs> I just spoiled the entire thing. <laughs> it, tsk, 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 it says. But I guess you... How do you say that? Yeah. But three yeah. in a row is quite hard to say. Yeah. But he, he or she was writing it, so um, bad move. You don't want to make six five seven Boulevard unhappy. Do you need to fill the house with young? Oh, do you need to fill the house with young blood as I requested? Better for me. Was it? Was your old house too small for the growing family, or was it greed to bring me your children? Once I know their names, I will call to them and draw them to me. Ethan and I are just glancing at each other every two Can seconds. Can I leave? <laughs> <laughs> you know, this, thing, this is some monster like, house that's yeah. like draining like it to even by shit. repeating these words, you probably... Yeah, I feel like, like you're invoking some something kind of bad. Yeah. 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 I mean, like, obviously... There's Have fun no... walking home in darkly. <laughs> <laughs> oh, there's oh, no, no return address. Obviously, it wasn't clear who wrote it. <laughs> <laughs> we were so funny. We were like, <laughs> See you around. <laughs> Welcome to the um, Yeah, so, uh, yeah. So it wasn't clear who wrote it. He's, this, he or she said, um, there are hundreds and hundreds of cars that drive by 657 Boulevard each day. Maybe I am in one. Look at all the windows you can see from 657 Boulevard. Maybe I am in one. Look out! Look out! Any of the many windows in Six Five Seven Boulevard. I'm so uncomfortable. <laughs> at all the people who stroll by each day. Maybe I am one. Um, welcome, my friends. Welcome. Let the party begin. And then the signature underneath was the Watcher in like cursive font. Um, so I was Derek. Like got this letter. It was e- it was like ten p.m. in the evening. Um, he was home alone because he'd been doing some work on the house. Yeah, so he like... Get out of there. Yeah, he turned up all the lights. I'd make those contractors move in with me. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> he turned up all the lights and he called the police department who came over and read the letter. <clears throat> Uh, and uh, yeah, basically they were just like, "What the fuck's this?" Anyway. <laughs> and they, <laughs> I mean, yeah, and they just really all they could do was like, "Have you ask? Have you got any enemies?" And he was like, "No." And then they didn't really know what to do after that. Okay, see you later. Yeah, yeah. So Derek went back to their old home because they hadn't moved out of their old home yet. They'd bought this new house and they hadn't moved out. <laughs> like they were like, "We have now." Yeah, yeah, <laughs> clearly. Um, so that night, he obviously told his wife Maria about it. That that night, the couple emailed John and Andrea Woods, who were the couple that had sold them Six Five Seven Boulevard, oh, okay. um, to ask if they had any idea who the watcher might be. Um, and uh, yeah, because in the letter it said, "I asked the Woods to bring me young blood, and it looks like they listened." So wouldn't, have, wouldn't they have been like legally obligated to tell them that that was a thing well, before they? I bet, they, they, bet when they got this phone call, they were like, yes, yeah, fuck, we must, must have slipped my mind. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I am so sorry. <laughs> so the the Woodses, 
um, they replied the next day to this email and they said they'd actually also got a letter from the watcher um, when they saw that, saw, like just before they sold it, which they found it found odd, but basically they'd binned it because it was it was just strange. Like it wasn't threaten, threatening to them or like creepy. It seems strange it that, so he's saying that this thing goes back generations and yet the last... The last occupants only got a letter when they moved, mm. not when yeah, they were living weird. there. Yeah. So, like, um, yeah. Dad so, must have dropped the ball for a few years. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> a couple of decades. Yeah. Um, so the Brodices were, like, freaked out, obviously. Um, and every time they went back to the house, they were, like, looking over their shoulder to see if they can work out who it was. Uh, two weeks later, another letter arrived. This By this time, they knew their last name, although actually misspelled it, but basically knew their last name. Oh, so even that suggests that they're like, he's, that's not, he's not just like looked up who's moving in there. No. He's heard it. Heard like it. he's oh, heard yeah, the name. Yeah, yeah. Um, so the letter like boasted about how much this person had learned about the family. Uh, so it, this person knew the children's names and things like that. Uh, so it asked, Juniper. I would have <laughs> yeah, yeah. it there in a second. Yeah. Uh, yes, yeah. So it asked things like, uh, the workers have been busy and I've been watching you unload uh, carfuls of your personal belongings. The dumpster is a nice touch. Have they found what's in the walls yet? In time they will. No. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I'm going to read a big, another big chunk of the letter. The walls are literally just around cold. It's worth it, yeah. 657 Boulevard is anxious for you to move in. It has been years and years since the young blood ru- ruled the hallways of the house. Have you found all the secrets it holds yet? <laughs> Where, will the young blood play in the basement or are they too afraid to go down there alone I would be very afraid if I were them it is far away from the rest of the house if you were upstairs you would never hear them scream will they sleep in the attic or will you all sleep on the second floor who has the bedrooms facing the street I'll know as soon as you move in it will help me know who is in which bedroom it will help me to know who is in which bedroom then I can plan better all of the wind. Yeah. Um, by the way, the reason I'm laughing so much is Ethan's face. I'm really. <laughs> yeah. I, wanted, I don't even want to say so, scared. I just want to say profoundly disturbed by yeah, this. Like, yeah. Fuck it's, this. Yeah. Like, Got this sense of anticipation yeah. that's really unpleasant. Okay, great. Great. Anxiety. It's called anxiety. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, all of the windows and doors in 657 Boulevard allow me to watch you and track you as you move through the house. Who am I? I am the watcher and I've been control of I've been in control of 657 Boulevard for the better part of two decades now. Can I just jump in to say that that's what windows are for? To <laughs> yeah. see in and out of? <laughs> yeah. yeah. The Woods family turned it over to you. It was their time to move on and kindly sold it when I asked them to. I pass by many times a day. 657 Boulevard is my job, my life, my obsession. I know you are too, Bradis family. Welcome to the product of your greed. Greed is what brought you, brought the past three families to 657 Boulevard, and now it has brought you to me. Have a happy moving in day. You know I will be watching. He talks about greed a lot. Yeah. Really mm. greedy for someone to want a house. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, it's, it was like a nice house. Yeah. It was an expensive house. And like, it was like historically, like when the when they're all first built, like the, the nicest house, yeah. you know, well known as the nicest I house. I hope it's the guy house. that lives like three doors down and has a house just as nice. Well, it's interesting you should say that. Mm. Uh, so at this point, they weren't really sure whether they wanted to move in because obviously, you know, all that stuff sounds pretty threatening, I think. 
Yeah. Um, oh, yeah. Oh, mentioned the kids Completely as well. Completely yeah. by it over here. <laughs> <laughs> um, so they were keeping their kids away completely. Um, a third letter came not that long after. It said, where have you gone to? And they're, they're obviously like, well... You just sent loads of creepy letters. So we're not gonna. Be we'd have written back and been like, "That too was redundant." Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah, that's true. Um, so they started doing some detective work. Um, so the Broadduses initially suspected that the watcher might be someone who wanted the house but had lost out. Oh, um, sure. Yeah, it kind of makes sense. So like uh, the woods, but when they sp- when they spoke to the woodses. Um, they said that one interested buyer had backed out after a bad medical diagnosis, while another had already found a different home. Um, then they wondered if it was someone else in the neighbourhood. Um, and doing a bit of research, the postmarks on the letters suggested that it was somebody nearby. Mm. So, which is what you would expect, I suppose. Um, yeah, good from, to confirm it. Though. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. It's not going to be coming from the deep south, is it? Um, well, all of America yeah, is that's by definition the deep south. Apart from the bit that's the Midwest. Yes. Yeah. Um, So uh, the other thing was, which is creepy, that one of the letters referred to um, an easel, which is one of the children's, um, and it was in a window, but you couldn't see that from the street, only if you went behind the house. Mm, what I year are we in? Twenty fourteen at the start oh, of the story. Shit! So it's not even like you would assume that a child would have an easel, is it? Like yeah, no, it all sounds yeah, very not, Victorian, yeah. doesn't it? That's <laughs> not just like a... It's not like a thing that a kid would have. It's not like a psychic trick of being like, you have lost a grandparent. Yeah. Like, oh, yeah, no shit, most <laughs> oh people God, have. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, yeah. When they first moved in, they'd gone to this barbecue, um, like on the, what's it called? Block. Yeah, mm-hmm. um, and someone told them about his family, the Langfords. So Peggy Langford was in her nineties, and several of her adult children in their all in their sixties still lived with her. Um, and people thought they were odd, but like harmless, you know, like a boom. Mm-hmm. I think they're odd, and I know just from that. Just from to that, be fair, yeah. families used to live to get together for years, and they what, still do. Five years ago, <laughs> yeah, back in twenty fourteen, families all used to I mean, live together. It was if quite literally a whole different world of two thousand fourteen. Like we joke, but it was <laughs> a totally yeah, different time. True. Also, it's a yeah. lot more common among non-white families. Yes, so yes. True. Still living. True. Yes, that's true. And also, um, this woman was obviously in the nineties. Very few people in the nineties can live alone without yeah. people keeping an eye on them. So kind of understandable. Fine. So there was this one son, Michael, um, who didn't work, and the broadest the broadest were really suspicious of him. So they told the police, but actually, as it happened, the police were already looking at him, um, and they brought him mm. in for questioning. Mm. Good work. Yeah, um, but there wasn't really any any evidence. And after a few weeks, police basically said there wasn't much they could do, like not just about him, but just at all. Yeah. Like, all they had were the, these letters. <laughs> Um, yeah, and they'd like done fingerprinting and all that stuff, and you know, like there wasn't there wasn't really much evidence. And I guess also like based on how police tend to work, like until they, it's a bit like if someone goes missing, they can't do anything for forty eight hours, isn't it? Unfortunately, yeah. they probably wouldn't be able to do much about just some letters that were at best like a bit ambiguously threatening. Yeah, yeah, that's it. It's like if this are doing a poor family. Like, oh, yeah. the police wouldn't have even just <laughs> gone around. Yeah. Like, yeah. yeah. Um, so they did what, you know, they did what they could, but obviously there were murders to be solved. So, yeah. yeah. Um, 
Although Derek, I think, did say something about that. Say, said, like, although the letters don't seem that much of a big deal, like, if anyone threatens my family, basically, you can have a murder on your hands. Nice. But, yeah, police did yeah, what they did. Yeah. Uh, so Derek kind of took it upon himself to do a lot of the investigating. So nice. he, yeah, he set up webcams um, in the house. He spent nights, like, crouched in the dark watching to see if anyone was watching them. This is oh, the plot Derek. of a horror movie, isn't yeah. it? He's... Like, down to the paranormal activity filming yourself yeah. element. They did, in fact, make a, a TV movie. Oh. Um, but they changed it enough so that oh. they could rip off the story. Kind of want to watch it. Oh, yeah. without crediting or yeah. giving them anything. So they call it, like, The Raven. It's <laughs> oh. <laughs> The Watcher. So, yeah. Um... Yeah, so, uh, yeah, so he spent a lot of nights, like, crouching in the dark, waiting to see if anyone was watching them. He made maps of when everyone in the neighbourhood moved in, and he spoke to some FBI agents. Uh, one of them noticed some, like, ticks in the letter, like, old-fashioned ticks. Um, so, like, the letters were addressed to M slash M Bredders. So that's, like, Mr and Mrs, but in the people don't really write yeah. it like that anymore. yeah. Good spot. <laughs> mm. And all the letters mentioned things like the weather, which is just quite an old-fashioned way of writing a letter, like mm. talking about the weather. Yeah. Um, so uh, this this FBI FBI agent as well um, also thought that the person seemed quite like a literary person and not very macho about how the letters were written. Right, yeah. They were quite yeah, like, yeah. Um, creatively written. Um, and they also actually wondered whether the writer had seen the Keanu Reeves film, The Watcher, because that's like about a serial killer who stalks the detective trying to catch him. I haven't seen <coughs> that. I haven't seen that either. The letters were angry though, and they seemed annoyed about, particularly about the new money moving into the neighbourhood. Um, that's the old crawl, isn't it? Mm, yeah. Um, and they weren't happy about the re- renovations that the Borges were making. Uh, one of in one of the letters it says the house is crying from all of the pain it is going through you have changed it and made it so fancy you are stealing its history it cries for the past and what used to be in the time when I roamed its halls the 1960s was a good time for 657 Boulevard when I ran from room to room imagining the life with the rich occupants there the house was full of life and young blood. Then it got old, and so did my father. But he kept watching until the day he died. And now I watch and wait for the day when the young blood will be mine again. <sighs> yeah. Yeah, that's oh, my only response yeah. to that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So they went through, like, all the... After after that, they went through all the former housekeepers and their descendants. Um, and they were, like, basically, they were trying to look up as many suspects as possible. Because... Mm-hmm. Um, after police had visited Michael, the letters continued and they thought it'd be quite reckless if police turned up and like interviewed you and you still carried on sending the letters. So they thought probably probably wasn't Michael, they weren't sure. I mean, having said that, it would be more reckless to stop writing letters the moment police came to you. Yeah, yeah true. Yeah, yeah, that's true. So there's no digital trail, no fingerprints, no way to no way to place someone at the scene of a crime, because basically it could have been hatched from pretty much any mailbox in the area. Mm. Um, even the letters themselves might just be nonsensical ramblings like they're not necessarily like packed with clues I just decided I'm going to write one of you a creepy letter at one point please don't do <laughs> just that do it, just... oh no you got my address to... as well oh shit yeah, yeah I actually do I didn't even think of that yeah. Yeah. I, I'd um, recognise you your writing yeah you would <laughs> yeah that's true um, and also you just said that so you yeah. can yeah. suspect yeah, yeah. 
oh, what if I got a creepy letter though and I came home. in and I was like, <laughs> Ethan, and then it actually wasn't. Well, yeah, I, yeah. I forgot that we were on a podcast right so now. now. Robin will do it, and you'll, and like, you'll think it's me, and then they'll put me in prison. But now you've told me, so I'm going to think it's either of you. Oh, you never just stop saying right. your plans out loud. Yeah, I do, just, just for clarification, I don't want any of us in prison. I honestly don't think we can afford to lose even one member of staff. <laughs> no. So I'm not going to be sending any letters, and anyone who sends letters, I would say they will be fired, but... I don't lose any members of staff. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, kind of same either way there. Yeah, yeah. Um, a few months later, the house was finished, but they didn't want to move in, obviously, because they were worried about the kids. Um, but at this point, they'd sold their old home and moved oh. in with, with Maria's parents. But they were paying like the mortgage on the new house and also like loads of taxes, which actually seemed oh. quite hefty. So they're not rich enough no. to just buy a new place. Then money is tied up in this house. Yeah, yeah. Okay. yeah. We are for taxes on unoccupied property, though. Oh, yeah. Right. yeah. <laughs> having, I mean, like, it's a big... I don't know what it was, like, nearly a million dollars. Like, I'm okay with it being a lot of tax. Um, but they kept getting these letters. Uh, so another, another letter quote. 657 Boulevard is turning on me. It's coming after me. I don't understand why. What spell did you cast on it? It used to be my friend and now it's my enemy. I am in charge of 657 Boulevard. It is not in charge of me. I will fend off its bad things and wait for it to become good again. It will not punish me. I will rise again. I will be patient and wait for this to pass and for you to to bring the young blood back to me. 657 Boulevard needs young blood. It needs you. Come back. Let the young blood play again like I once did. Let the young blood sleep in Please, stop saying young blood. I know. I was stop changing say, it and let it alone. I was going to say that one's a bit less creepy because it was just Absolutely her. Not. It was just nonsensical. Her yeah. being like, well, I'm saying her. It might I, not be a her, but like the house is turning on me, and I was like, what? But then you just started saying young blood, blood a lot. Too many times. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, it does feel like I think that letter would scare me more than the other ones because it feels like a descent into madness. Like yeah. at least with the other ones, it felt like that's that person true, felt like she was very. The, they, it seemed like from the from the the way the letters were written, like they were kind of in control and they were quite uh, intelligent. I they were like toying with someone, mm. but now they seem manic yeah. and fucked. I think yeah. the being in control scared me more. So that's just more of a, a personal so, thing. Says something about like it seemed but, very calculated, and now it just seems like okay, this person's yeah, probably just now it could just be like one ton destruction yeah, though, yeah. rather than like considered um, yeah but I think that's the the most amount of times they've said young blood or is it new blood yeah yeah, yeah. Blood. yeah. sorry it's not me at one time one time, time. <laughs> destruction like uh, yeah uh, anyway uh, yeah it's interesting you should say she um, were you basing on anything in particular because we think it's that old I think it might be the old lady but also I think just generally I just have a feeling could, also, could be wrong you, but... you did say that the police thought it was someone more literate and when you said it you were like and not masculine yeah Which, macho I macho, macho sorry you did say macho yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah yeah the cursive writing as well kind cursive of these writing, days all yeah. men just write in caps yeah, <laughs> what is that that's, that's a I, see I think that's an old person this is not interesting oh, but I always yeah. think old people write in, in like the, the, yeah. all, all of them have yeah, the exact same because they were beaten into them yeah. I think whereas we were just like you can just write that way if you don't write well you won't get a fountain pen but <laughs> other than that I don't think yeah, we don't like wet drink no um, did you get fountain pens by the way of course yeah. I was the only child at my school you, I, I'm sure you won't be surprised I was the only child at my school to oh. not be given a fountain pen oh. at any point oh my, my writing never became good enough I think your writing is fine. 
think journalism is good. Your handwriting is fine. I, I actually, <laughs> you wouldn't even be able to tell that my handwriting's okay based on the way that I just scroll my notes. Yeah, that's, so, I can yeah, do, I can do good handwriting, I just but I choose not to. That's yeah. so much effort. Yeah, I think it's all people and also like dads over the age of 40. Yes. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. Uh, so obviously in this, at this point they were just in bits. Uh, Maria was actually diagnosed with PTSD from just like the trauma of the oh, whole thing. Sure. Yeah. They decided to put it back on the market. Uh, they didn't. They didn't even want to make money. They just wanted to get back what they spent, basically. Mm. Uh, even though potentially this is the most money. sorry I've ever felt for rich people. Yeah, I know. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, um, but obviously people didn't want to buy it because um, even though they hadn't told any of the neighbors, um, once once the police were questioning yeah. people, like Word got out. Yeah, there were, well, at least there were rumours flying mm. around. You'd also wonder, wouldn't you, that people have bought this house, spent a lot of money on it, and, and they're like, just put it straight back on the market, and mm. for the, for the for asking the same price, price, presumably. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I think they'd actually put it on for a little bit more because they'd done renovations to it, so it was technically worth more. Right, yeah, yeah. But um, they, yeah, so uh, they, I think the realtor had um, told them to um, disclose the letters to any new people. But right. actually, that they wanted to do that anyway because they didn't want to put anyone else through what they'd been through. Yeah. Nice. Um, so this at this point still, though, it was all quite private, at least, you know, gossip within the neighbourhood, but that was it. Um, until they decided to sue the Woodses for not disclosing that they also got a letter before all the paperwork was signed. Mm. Completely fair. Yeah. I don't know, like... By the sounds of it, the Woods' letter was just a bit, like, a bit weird. Yeah, and not, not remotely threatening or... It was just probably like... Well, I, I think, think it was just like, look, well, it. thank you for looking after the house. You've been... It also, you know, the house is really pleased that you looked after it, you know, that kind of thing. It also depends if they were telling the truth and they did just get yeah, one letter, true, like, true. even on the left, or if they just didn't say that they'd be getting them for you. Yeah, I still exactly. feel like the implication that anyone is regularly watching your house, you should share. Yeah. Even yeah. if they're not, like... Young blood. Yeah, 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 definitely. Um, yeah, so actually what happened was they they were trying to do this on the quiet, suing the woods, but what actually happened was a newspaper spotted the legal notice, um, support your local newspaper, um, and it got picked up and went mainstream. So everybody in the neighbourhood was on edge then because they all knew about this. Um, and they were getting like national attention. I mean, I'm I'm assuming that we're going to find out when this story ends. But would that not be a good thing that like everyone in the neighbourhood now is well, on the? I think they were just like knobs. They, you know, like no. rich people knobs. You know, like in the neighbourhood. So they were just like they didn't want that kind of attention, and mm. like obviously they wanted to affect the price of their property and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, okay. Yeah. So they eventually managed to get a DNA analysis on one of the envelopes and worked out that the DNA belonged to a woman. Nice. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So they looked at Abby Langford, who was Michael's sister, um, who worked as a real estate agent, but she was tested and she wasn't a match. Uh, so because it went public around the, around the same time that the Brodices, um had received their first letter, they actually found out that another family on the boulevard had got a similar mm. note from oh. the watcher. Yeah. And the, par- the parents of that family had lived in the house for years and their kids were growing up. So basically, just like the Woods is, they threw away the letter. Mm. They were just like, had they just gotten the one? 
Yeah, okay. that's what they said anyway, yeah. Yeah, I mean, there's a difference between getting one and getting one every two weeks. Yeah, exactly, mm. yeah. Um, so there was actually one good suspect. Um, a car pulled up uh, for a while. Uh, so the police obviously at one point were watching the house. A car pulled up for a while to look at the house and they traced the number plate, uh, the license plate, and um, they spoke to his girlfriend and she said that he played some dark video games where in one of them the character was called the Watcher. Mm. That's mm. interesting. Mm. But this guy didn't show up for police interviews and there wasn't enough evidence to do anything further because mm. basically all they had was he slowed down yeah. to look at the house which at that point was it was quite you know like it was out the, uh, it was the, the creepy house yeah, so you might well yeah exactly um, so at this point most people thought the, the Broadsters did it themselves um, so like mm. everybody then was talking on the internet about it and everybody turned on them and were asking them a lot of questions about like how They'd gotten so rich, like, you know, their first house was worth a fraction of what that this house was worth. Like, where did they come get the money from? Um, Derek just said, you know, basically it's America, which I think I actually do think is a reasonable explanation. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um what would like what would their motive for faking it be? Yeah. Exactly. Well people people thought they maybe had buyer's remorse and they wanted to get rid of it, but you wouldn't you just were just put the least efficient yeah, way to do yeah, that. Right? Also she have to have been faking PTSD yeah. like yeah. consistently yeah. for a long time. And like one of the contractors work, was working on the house, like a journalist interviewed him and he was like saying that she'd been like crying on his shoulder and stuff and he was like pretty much a stranger to her. So like they're yeah. not going to be no. like obviously in, the yeah. in the spring of 2016 they put 657 back on the market and after loads of, like basically loads of people on the internet had been like um, oh I, I wouldn't care I'd just still move back in no you wouldn't well yeah exactly mm-hmm. um, so they had basically after after they heard all those people saying that they were like fine right we'll have an open house um, and they were checking everybody who signed in to like um See what their yeah. Mm-hmm. See if we can match nice. the watcher's handwriting. Clever. Um, but I also feel like if you were the watcher, you'd see right through that. Yeah, uh, but but yeah. I mean, the, the, nothing came of that. And actually, every everybody backed out. Like when everyone, the people who got to any kind of stage where they were interested in buying the house, once they saw the letters, they all backed out. Um, so Derek said there was like he. Derek, so I'll do Derek's quote. Um, quote: Some cocky guy from Staten Island said, "Fuck it, I'm gonna get." get a house at a discount he reads the letters and we never hear from him again end quote so like clearly like people were just like cocky about it but actually the letters were also it wasn't really a discount it was still asking price yeah I think maybe by at this point they were just I, and they might yeah. have knocked down the price I can't yeah. remember yeah. but yeah yeah reasonable uh, so they were just at a loss basically to know what to do with the house um, they tried to get planning permission to demolish it and build two houses there instead but the like, the, the local council were just like nah I, feel mm. like, I don't even think that would resolve anything that I think the watcher would be fucking off, crazy yeah, yeah well yeah but if you could sell if you could sell those two houses you wouldn't you wouldn't care yeah, but, yeah, yeah. I don't know. Uh, but yeah anyway it was all knocked back um, they've they managed to let it out um, and the renters who lived there didn't get any letters uh, but unfortunately the rent doesn't cover the mortgage so they're losing money but they just don't know what to do is there about. another letter coming up because I really want to hear another one <laughs> <laughs> so uh, last year loads of people in the neighbourhood um, people who had rejected the plans to split the lot in, into two got anonymous letters um, and they were eerily similar to the watchers letters 
Um, but in the end, Derek told Jonas that it was him. And he was just like, at his wit's end. Nice. <laughs> just, yeah. Nice. He just like, wrote one. creepy letters to everyone in the neighbourhood. Like, oh, um, oh, wait, just those letters, not the entire... No, not the entire right, thing, okay, just yeah. the ones yeah, in the neighbourhood. Yeah, uh, and that brings us pretty much up to the present day. And we still don't know who the watch oh, is. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> Fuck you. Yeah. So I tried not to let on that... Yeah, 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 well. so, yeah, so to this day, so, did they never look at good. that old woman? They, I mean, they, I guess they could just too old. There's only so much you can do in her life, there's nothing to actually suggest it's her, yeah. but in their inclination, there's only so much you can you can do, yeah, like, or, or you're, you're, um, yeah, you're abusing someone's kind of civil rights. I suppose if they've looked through everyone that had worked there, yeah, and stayed there and mm-hmm. they didn't find anything, then yeah. Yeah, so, so they're still out there. Yeah, that actually really annoyed me. <laughs> so, well, you can actually. So I've I've kind of condensed the story, but I got a lot of this information from the cut, um, and it's an article by Reeves Wiedemann. Um, yes, yes. Nice one. yeah. So I really, really strongly recommend I'm, reading I'm actually it. Gonna read it. Yeah, genuinely. On it, I'll send you a link. Um, because it's actually, I, I kind of gloss over a lot of the details, but there's like other suspects and more um, detailed information, a bit more from the letters. So, yeah, so that is the story of The Watcher. Shit. Nice. Yeah. yeah nice, yeah. Really a good pair this week, I think. Yeah, we've done yeah. some different, different ones. Yeah, yeah. I liked, yeah, I like this week. Uh, do we have any corrections? Um, not a lot. There were none in yours, I don't think. I don't yeah, know if that's because there weren't any or if I was just too engrossed. <laughs> gonna say yeah, it. Like that I was totally my favourite story yet. Forgot yeah. that we were doing a podcast and I yeah. was just like, please yeah, tell me honestly. the person. Is, please <laughs> tell me they got the bad person. Oh, I didn't get them. That was the best story so far, <laughs> in my opinion. Wow. Um, so... Just, just for you, Ethan. <laughs> um, you were correct about Renee Zellweger playing Russell Crowe's wife. Yeah, in yeah, she's good. Well, she's good. Um, Robin was correct about Russell Crowe being a bit of a dickhead. Yes. Um, he's quite frequently aggressive. Has pinned a director to a wall and shouted verbal abuse at him. Shouted verbal abuse at fans, etc. There are also other accusations, but he says that the media exaggerates. Okay. Uh, Minnesota is in the Midwest. Uh, Billy Misk oh, began. <laughs> Billy Misk began his career in 1913 and died in 1924. So he was inducted into. Was it the International Boxing Hall? Yeah, because he did get inducted into the Minnesota Boxing Hall okay. of Fame as well, which is a different thing. Um, 97 years after his career began, and 86 years after his death. And not all forms of what I am just going to call glom, because I ain't got the time for this, <laughs> are terminal now. Some oh. can be cured, others can oh, be that's, stopped. That's and good. the ones that are terminal can be slowed down pretty yeah. effectively. Yeah. That's good. good. That's good. it. Oh, Sweet, man. That's really good. Yeah. 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 I get the impression that you probably didn't delve into the uh, the boxing statistics of Billy Misk's career to find out whether I'd got his number of... No, stuff, I right? trusted I you because I, I think if anyone who's listening is obsessive about boxing, they will. Please do, yeah. We can, we can chat about it. Yeah, yeah. Um, Most of the time, if it's something that you've made a note of, I assume that that's because you've done research. <laughs> yeah. Yes, Where's yeah. how the Marcel Millhouse thing? <laughs> <laughs> that's true. Um, it's usually stuff where you're like, don't know. I'm like, oh, look yeah. That I best yeah. check that. Yeah, yeah. that's a, that seems a good rule. Yeah. yeah. Uh, cool, cool. Man. let's do some thank yous so thanks to Annika Vadical 
if you engage at all with the Instagram, that is who you're engaging with. Yeah. Mm -hmm. She is the purest person. Um, And, oh, we should say thank you to uh, Michaela, the brewery, and Yorubiza, who sent sent us the beer, and Hiva, also the beer. Yeah, they did. Because I think we're, are we, what are we on now? Episode four? No, five. This will be five. 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 Yeah. So I think probably five episodes worth of thank yous is yeah. good yeah, yeah so yeah so um, that's that's your lot lads yeah um, and in future we'll just thank me for buying the beers yeah you bought, you've been buying the beers haven't you? you've been buying brew dog which <laughs> no don't fucking don't, got, don't name check got, them for nothing yeah people have got beers yeah. on actually brew dog once did send me a massive crate of beer I interviewed one of the founders and he sent it for our roller derby team. When I told him about roller derby, yeah, send us some. For but also, podcast. everyone hates free dogs, so yeah, just the new like, seller. I get well, it. I don't think yeah. Um, I get it, but there's there's not much choice of like decent beer in the Sainsbury's near work. So no, I honestly, I I like it to yeah, be honest. I, do. like, I don't yeah. want to lie. Like, yeah, I don't I like it. It's nice. Um and. I feel like there's more. This things. is the part where we beg you for money. Oh yeah, yeah. Give us your. No, don't say you don't love to money, do that. Please. Anymore. <laughs> <laughs> we got we got a. Uh, I, I definitely wouldn't say complaint, but one of my friends who listens to the podcast, Kate. Hello, Kate. An observation. Uh, an observation that Ethan swears too much. Um, so maybe I, and I you think don't know, I, I, we don't right. know for definite it was the give us you fucking money <laughs> I did very well then to not yeah. just swear directly at your friend Kate. yes I think, yeah. we can all, I think we can all agree I actually thought about Kate, it yeah. you got away fortunately there I apologise for, for my past uh, in, what's the word indiscretion yeah indiscretion yeah. Yeah. I just thought <laughs> like discretion going. is not what it is so why would it be indiscretion but hey the English language is kooky um, no, I mean Kate is actually one of our patrons. Sweet, so, thank you. Oh, so yeah. we actually can't piss so, her off. No, no. and also she's already given us a fucking money. So yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I couldn't um, not. To be uh, fair, I think the only reason you swear more than I do is because you talk more in these podcasts than I yeah. do. Yeah. Otherwise, Good I rule. would have yeah. you. And also, maybe be that's a Bob Geldof impression, so it's not yeah, exactly. technically swearing. No. Mm. Um. So yeah. So please. Please give us some money. You always say it in this voice that makes you sound like Oliver Twist. I know, yeah. You're you're far too timid. People need to be given strong instructions. We'll respond to directness and to strength. So, we have got a... a uh, editorial campaign coming up that I think everyone will like in mm. January. It would be good if we can afford to do some travelling for that. Get in the car, go to the northeast maybe, or you know the Midlands if we want. Like it would be good if we can afford yeah. those things. The option would be nice. The option would be nice, exactly. So um, yeah, so any little little scraps of money from the table, we will graciously accept. Because um, it does actually make a world difference. We we've got nearly fifty patrons as of mm-hmm. this recording, yeah, and we do know, really yeah, and we yeah. know who every single one of them are because it tells us their name when they come in, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and we are extremely grateful. And we do like a little like, oh, we've got another patron in the office, yeah, we do, yeah. Every time. and then we're always yeah. like, who is it? Who is it? Does anyone know this person? Yeah, sometimes they're strangers, but sometimes they are people we know. And I'm going to do experiment. Georgina did it today. My friend Georgina, thanks, Georgina. If she ever listens to this podcast, which she will tell me she does, mm. then now we'll know because she's just been name checked. Yeah. So, be like... if not, George, 
We should read a list of our friends' names <laughs> and yeah. check who's listening. Yeah. No, that's not. I mean, if you're a friend of any of ours, we know we've got listeners at this point because we can see the data. So we know we've got more listeners than we've got friends. So <laughs> some of you are strangers, but some of you are people we know. Yeah. Um, Send us an email correcting us on something. Yeah. Or just uh, like... Yeah. Or telling us your own crazy story. Because we've asked for... Cra- no one sent us a single crazy story. Please yet. do, yeah. And I would, I will extend... I don't know if we've agreed to this formally, but... Uh, right. <laughs> Let's extend the definition of crazy story to how, how we approach it, which is like a story that exists in the world. Yes. And like, it's a thing. If you want to tell us something that happened to you, like a crazy story that's your own, yeah. Oh, yeah. then tell us. We might not read it. We might it might just be lost in the ether. Probably though, we'll do something with it. Yeah. At the very least we might get some entertainment or a chuckle out of it. Yeah, yeah, if we if we get like a couple of decent um anecdotes, let's call them crazy anecdotes. Yes. Um then I I can do I can tell some of my own. Okay, yeah. So, we can see, even do like... See how much you both want that to happen. Yeah. Um, we can do a mini-sode if we... That's what I'm thinking, yeah. yeah. We can just fill it with that so, kind of thing. If, if I, this isn't enough for you, you could get even more. Yeah. Contemplating um, our actual ability to do a mini-sode, given that these things are always an hour long than we set out to make them. Mm. Yes. If we start getting some sweet advertising money, then... Sweet, yeah. sweet advertising <laughs> money. Sweet, sweet advertising yeah. money. Then, um, yeah, so, yeah. Uh, let's not talk anymore about that. Have we done everything that we needed to do? Yeah. Yeah. Great. Yeah. Is anyone we don't like? Oh, yeah. We That's sometimes a thing we do. Yeah, or like if people want to, if people are our patrons and they want to pledge to be our patrons and then send us a message with someone you don't like and we'll slag them off on the podcast. Yeah. We we'll maybe check yeah. them out first. <laughs> yeah. We don't like live them, but we'll just call them like to Yeah, okay. Yeah. Uh, I'm sure there is someone we don't like this. There's an absolute abundance of people we don't like always. But I'm talking about this this week, week someone that's really pissed us off. Mm, Consider them be Tobias Elwood, kind of Uh, wise. But, like, I think, like, there are more deserving people of of shit, generally. But even even within the Tory party, there are worse Tories. So he is a Tory. And I think we can't can't ignore the fact that he's kind of a hero, because he kind of tried to save that. Guy on Westminster Bridge. I mean, we'll cut one. this bit. Yeah, yeah. That's oh. kind of what I was getting at when I was like, you can't really, t- you can't really get to buy Selwood. Because oh. he's like... And I was like, fuck that guy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he's all right. Because he think he is. <laughs> yeah, he's, he like served in Afghan and stuff. And he, um, I, I'm, but he's I'm still a Tory. That's what's yeah, really no, yeah, about yeah. this whole thing. Yeah, he's still so bad. Don't be a Tory if you don't want people to know. Yeah, I'd say he was a fucking awful Tory. My MP. Well, he was my MP until a few weeks ago. Andrew Percy. Andrew... If by any, any weird fluke of, of, of cosmic misfortune on my part, you happen to be listening to this, fuck you. <laughs> That's about all I've got to say on that one. You can, so this is a public service announcement, you can look up your own MP on They Work For You, mm-hmm. and you can find out their voting record, yes? I ran a, I ran a social media thing during last election, as, as mm. you both know, but for a bit of background. So we ran, I ran this thing on Facebook where we talked a lot about politics, and it did, it did like relatively well. We got a lot of reach, but you know, because the election was on and everyone was talking about it, the amount of people who do not know that one, you can check what MPs, how MPs mm. vote on issues, two, that everything that people say in Parliament is recorded on the yes. answers, 
and and three that like this is all just a matter of public record and it's yeah. there. The amount of people that don't know that is terrifying. Like yeah. we have people accusing us of making this stuff up, and then we we send them a link to answer or to um, you know to even the official parliament thing, and they'd be like, "How do I know that's real?" How do I know? these same people that read fucking fake news that tells them that you know that the migrants are all on their way here and I, I don't know all that fucking dumb shit are like the most sceptical people in the world when you're like well no, we know it's how people vote and stuff yeah. Record. Here, here it is yeah. Yeah. <laughs> been around since like the fucking 1800s at least uh, so yeah that's a thing alright we done podcast over Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.